Welcome to the Inspire to Thrive podcast, a place for K-12 educators to find insight and inspiration. How do you solve your staffing problems while simultaneously creating a place-based and person-centered approach to better engage young people? Today on our show, we are speaking to Jay Raskup, Community Schools Director at Wayne County Schools, to answer this and other questions around community school initiatives, effective staffing, and using your internal talent pool to solve some of your trickiest challenges. The Inspire to Thrive podcast, brought to you by the Small School District Association, the California Collaborative for Educational Excellence, and Thrive Public Schools, supporting educators to create greater impact for children. Joining us today on Inspire to Thrive is Jay Roskep, the Community School Director in Wayne County, New York. And in addition to his extensive experience in early childhood, juvenile justice, health and wellness, workforce development, he is the project director for a full service community school and really engaged in community school works, which has really been buzzing throughout the nation. So Jay, thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. Glad to be here, Nicole. Jay, where did your passion for community schools begin? So that probably started uh, really when I left the classroom, my initial entry point into school school administration was uh, as a Safe Schools Healthy Students Project Director. And that brought in mental health, that brought in law enforcement, it brought in other resources into the school. Really, it was a response to the Columbine shootings from the federal government and Health and Human Services, DOJ, and Department of Ed all came together to say, hey, what can we do to make schools more safe and supportive? So my career in administration was very non-traditional after pretty traditional experience as an ELA teacher. And I wouldn't have called that community schools work until a couple, three years later when New York State started to invest more in community schools And then I began to understand that, okay, if a community school is a place and a set of partnerships, then that's what we have going on here. And really since about 2013, have been very aware and much more intentional about developing that community schools model in our rural landscape in in Wayne County. Well, you just mentioned if it is a place and a set of partnerships, I love that framing, right? And Can you tell us about a time where that place, school, and the partnerships to create a community school have really had a transformative impact for a student? Yeah, I think there are numerous uh, occasions that I could point to. Um, Some are, of course, I think what you would expect, right? That a young person experiencing anxiety or having some trouble really making it through the school day and being able to access mental health care right at the school because there's a mental health professional co-located there. Uh, Something that we have really started to push on more recently has been our study work program, which has been to connect to local businesses, to connect to careers, and really has the students going out and about into the community to connect with folks And there we have had young people that uh, were not on track for graduation, were missing school, find a passion, find an interest, 
connect to people that cared. And now we're seeing, again, wholesale changes in their lives. And even one young person that I call that uh, had been in, trained in uh, electrical work and was carrying electrical tools with him. And he was pulled over uh, by the police. And I uh, was called out to say, could you help, could you help me out? He gave me a call to ask, can you, can you come out and help me out? And I thought he was going to be dramatically upset coming out of the courthouse and things of that nature because he didn't need to make an appearance right at that moment. But he was actually thrilled because he said, Jay, Jay, you know what? The police, the police officer asked me, he said, are you an electrician? And so he had an interaction with law enforcement. He had the law enforcement officer recognize the tools of the trade and recognize him as a, as a trade person. And he's doing installation of solar panels and installation of other um, energy efficiencies and, and other efforts that are into our, you know, our, that are all about our effort to change our <laughs> the way we, you know, the way we, uh, the way we heat our homes and, and the way we uh, drive our cars. And he's, he's getting all into the green and clean energy movement. And all that really sparked from some initial training and some finding of a career and some finding of a competence and, a, and then a sense of belonging and everything else just started to flow out of that. So again, that story just sticks to me because it was went from being really dramatic and potentially negative yeah. to a time where he realized that anybody that came across him would see him in a professional light, right? See him as a skilled person, see him as a contributor. And he began to see himself that way. Uh, and that made all the difference. Well, I love that story so much, Jay, because, you know, so often we come across people that are doing internships as an elective for kids who've got all their credits or for kids who, you know, have a free period because everything else is done. It sounds like your steady work program in your community schools really is the opposite of that. It's the kids that need the connection, that need to find kind of that home base and that grounding. Am I getting that right? Yeah, we use um, folks that are in uh, trauma-informed work may have heard of the ARC or attachment, uh, regulation of self, competency. Uh, out of Lesley University, they have the H, health, and we add collaboration. So everything we do, we look at the collaboration arch. So attachment, regulation of self, competency, and health. And all of those are entry points. So I think sometimes what we fail to realize is that competence is an entry point for young people. To be able to be good at something, to be proud of something, not a trophy for first place because everybody got a trophy for first place, but to, to really honestly have tried, to persisted, to have overcome, to have accomplished something really can restore self-efficacy, which is one of the things that trauma just makes an absolute mess of. So when you have somebody share a competency or develop a competency with a young person, that typically builds a strong attachment. That attachment allows for co-regulation, which develops the capacity for self-regulation and allows for conversations about health. And so all of those domains, right, of social, emotional, physical, cognitive, are all there in that arch. And I think we miss the fact that basic competence, I mean, it can be changing the tire. It can be making a breakfast. Basic competence gives people a sense of control. 
And that is something that trauma frequently just rips away. So to be able to restore that sense of, I can take this action, I can make this step. And for our young people, something as basic as, believe it or not, like if I work more hours, I have a bigger paycheck. If I work less hours, I have a smaller paycheck. And even if they work less hours and their paycheck is smaller, if they, if they recognize, if we can help them understand their choices, their scheduling, their use of time, that their choices are powerful, we are restoring to them sometimes a sense of ownership of their own destiny that they may have lost along the way. Mm, yeah, restoring that sense of ownership is so critical. And I know that as we talk about this, people might be listening and going like, yes, I'm on board with that. But how do I get so-and-so back home to buy into this? Because, you know, for better or for worse, we sometimes get stuck in like this punitive place of like, but that kid hasn't earned the right or that kid, like, why would we reward them with an internship? What do you say to those people? And how do you win those people over in this work? Well, sometimes we don't win them over. Um, until we get a result, so we just move around them. Uh, some of what I simply say is it's just not, it's, uh, it's just not your decision. Uh, you're, you, you know, uh, it is, the, we allow young people to self-refer. We allow families to refer. Well, we accept referrals from uh, juvenile justice. And we certainly accept referrals from the school. But if a school was to say to us, X, Y, or Z person can participate because they didn't do, you know, D, E, and F, uh, we would disregard that. And while we maintain strong partnership with the school, uh, we really are very focused on place-based, person-centered work. And uh, that really means then, um, I, and I, I definitely don't mean to sound like we would, you know, taunt the schools or be rude to the school, but really we would have a boundary. And, and we would explain then that our change model believes that the development of competence leading to some development of attachment will allow us to have those tougher conversations and we'll get to that common end result. And the school is welcome to continue to try from their angle and we will try from ours and hopefully we'll try together. Uh, but I think a lot of times what we ultimately then end up doing is just um, pointing to results. And, and, and for by and large, for our young people, this is just working. Um, and a lot of times when they honestly believe that we care, and then we go, hey, you know, this career is important. And what young person I was talking to, um, he was thinking about dropping out. I'm like, well, you can do that if you want, but you want to do this construction work, right? He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, well, at least, you know, don't worry about passing them, but make sure you learn the stuff because you're going to need that math to be a carpenter. I don't care about your grades, care about your homework, but learn the skill because if you don't know the math here, you can't do the carpentry and the construction work that you want to do. And when they start to understand the relevance of what they are learning, then they go, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I need to rethink this. Maybe I'm not wasting my time here. Um, and that, that I think is sometimes we're, we're able to, everybody wants good things for kids. Um, it's just what's our role in their life? And we aren't going to relinquish our role just because it doesn't align with someone else's. Yeah. 
So some kids have taken a construction path, electrician path. What are some of the other paths where your students have, have landed through the opportunities you've provided? Well, I know that we were uh, talking a little bit about this offline. And one of the most exciting things for us is some of our young people have become themselves uh, young people who work with youth. Uh, so we have now, uh, whether it's something uh, as simple as uh, a hall monitor, whether it's our out-of-school program staff, whether it's uh, really we have some young people that have now started to head into social work and headed into more advanced careers. We have young people that are becoming uh, the people that we need, uh, the people that we are having a tough time hiring, uh, filling, our, filling our work uh, with young people. Um, so our filling the roles we need to work with young people. So I think that has been uh, maybe a little surprising for us just how well that has worked out but it has been tremendous. We have one program that's running at an elementary school. There are four, maybe five people there that are staffed that have come out of the study work program. And if they didn't have that staff, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be open. So, you know, I think this investment in young people has just opened up a reciprocal benefit for the schools, for the community agencies, uh, for the local businesses, and whether it is uh, Cece, who's down at Imprint Coffee, or whether it's Jessica, who's now the receptionist for Pace Electronics, or you know whether it's Deontay, who's again, one of the mainstays at the Lions Elementary uh, After School Program, uh, or Isaiah as a, as a middle school hall monitor, you know, we are really seeing uh, some young people excel and do well and just needed really a little time to get centered a little time to get set and um and, and they're doing they're doing great so for folks that are listening out there i know the staffing challenge right is weighing on all of us right now where do i find qualified people how do i find people that are connected in the community i mean you've kind of cracked that nut while also supporting young people to find their purpose to have that connection to kind of build their own self-efficacy. Where can folks start to do that work? You've been doing it for years, but what so advice I, do you have for people that are want to get started on this work? I think the first would be to relinquish some assumptions uh, that sometimes those are even deeply cultural. Like I think just philosophizing here, if I could for a second, mm -hmm. that when we think of really adulthood, maybe now not starting till 25 because we've got the whole go to college thing or this or that, I think we're missing the fact that our 17 to 24 year olds, uh, I mean, that's 10% of a lifespan right there. And it's an incredibly powerful group of people that can do just absolutely amazing things. And for a lot of our roles that we need in schools, when we just really need somebody that can be one-on-one -on -one with a kid on the bus or one-on-one -on -one with, the, with a kid in the classroom or with a group of kids in the cafeteria, uh, there are a lot of young people that have so much experience caring for younger family members, mm -hmm. uh, so much experience uh, navigating really life for themselves when maybe 
you know, mom was asleep during the day because she was working a second shift. And they have just this deep, deep experience. And when they are given some training, I mean, I had uh, young people reading one of Eric Jensen's books. And they're like, every teacher ought to read this. And they just get it. And they, they even see where, where the gaps in the systems are. They've experienced those. And I, I think if we just kind of relinquish the assumption that uh, there's nobody around and we look around us, uh, we, can, we can create pathways in. I will tell you that depending on, I know like in New York, we have certification barriers and we have other barriers that may prevent people from doing everything we need and we have unions and yeah I don't want to I don't want to say that it can't be complicated but that's also where community schools can provide some avenues that we may not have considered which is a lot of times the young people that are working in our schools right now may be hired by our local CBOs and placed in the school and they're working alongside and what's nice too is when you frame that as an internship or learning opportunity it doesn't threaten uh, a union member. It doesn't threaten, uh, you know, a particular bargaining unit. And, you know, of course, absolutely still fingerprints, safety clearances and whatnot, and making sure that folks are ready to be in that environment. But um, we then see people going from like, you know, like Isaiah, again, it's a perfect example, going from working with young people in out of school time program to the school wanted to hire him. They reached out and said, please, this position is open. We want Isaiah to apply. And, you know, when we're seeing instances like that, um, that's when it's telling us that our model is our model's working. They, they want him on their payroll. Well, I love it. I had a chance to watch one of your videos and a young man named Deontay, I said, was saying, mm -hmm. I, I'm really successful in the after school program because I get kids. I used to be a kid just like that one that I'm working with. And we often forget the you know, yes, our older students need connection, but the immense benefit that comes to the younger kids who also feel seen and understood and see a huge benefit in that. Yeah, well, we, we will try to complicate everything with matrices and models. And, and I, I don't want to devalue the incredibly complicated considerations made by so many wonderful contributors to education, to human development. But I think the stuff that we know works is right. People need to feel connected. They need to be able to trust and they need to have people they can count on. They need to be able to cope and control strong emotions. They need to be able to learn and they need to be able to recognize what are healthy decisions for them. And that, again, that's that attachment regulation of self, competency, and health. And it's basic human development. People that, you know, for me, like I'm now a lot closer maybe to the end of my career than I am to the beginning. And certainly uh, thinking back to kindergarten is a lot harder than it used to be. Uh, maybe I can provide some skill and some training and some structure to somebody that can still remember that and to somebody that can really quickly and immediately connect with the with the emotions and not so immediately trivialize the end of that first major relationship or 
the forgetting of the backpack on the bus or the broken cell phone when the text message coming about the important social event is on the way. And I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah, that'll be over. But there's somebody that's just still in that immediacy of youth that gets it, you know, and doesn't have to pause to get it, but it's still right there. And immediately, as I think our young people out here would say, immediately vibe with one another, right? Yes. Yes. Well, because as you mentioned, they don't have those assumptions, right? The message that I keep hearing you say is like, relinquish the assumptions, don't overcomplicate things. And who better to not hold assumptions and keep things simple than younger children who look up to, to their older counterparts, right? And what a great way to solve multiple challenges facing us in education, the challenge of creating connection for older students and staffing uh, in our schools. Uh, Clearly community schools and internships is a great path towards that. Well, I Um, feel like your program is so, not just so inspirational, but I feel like you've thought about what's really important to kids, right? That connection piece, the questioning assumptions. I feel like sometimes people talk about trauma-informed care and it's all here and sometimes it's at like, it's in their heart and like, you know, can't we just hug it out? But you're like, no, let's get practical. Like, what are we actually going to do for children? How are we actually going to move the needle versus just, ah, yes, I understand. I think some people are under the illusion that life is going to get easier for this children, for these children, but in reality, it's going to get harder. Okay. So, I mean, one of the things I talk about when training is that like, you know, pity is a nail in the coffin for these kids. We got to equip them. Because you think life's tough for them now, wait till they're a parent, especially wait till they're a parent when, you know, if I got to be honest, they're probably going to be a parent in a split relationship because that's what they've seen and the statistics and the likelihood is. And so then we're trying to get in the way of, you know, sometimes generational stuff. We've got young people in our program with uh, A scores of 10. They got a perfect 10 on, and, you know, and got some- all the factors. And some of those tens have been in the uh, been in the paper, and so, yeah, the mushy gushy stuff, uh, and just the cognitive, you know, just the philosophical, abstract academic approach isn't sufficient. Oh, yeah, and I appreciate you noticing that because my the development of this program really came out of me walking through life with individual young people, and as they're getting into barriers, I'm like, okay, so how do we get around this? How do we get around that? And it was. It's all around, again, I can't, I cannot emphasize enough, place-based, person-centered, place-based, person-centered. It's got to be about that kid, where that kid's at. And that's, that's just so critical. Before we leave, final words of encouragement or uh, (laughs) recommendations before we go our separate ways. Yeah. uh, Problems are opportunities. Uh, That's how study work got started. Um, there were nonprofits that didn't have staff. There were youth that didn't have jobs. I'm not kidding. I had a friend that won a hundred grand in the World Series of Poker, donated three thousand dollars, and we had a little grant money, and we piloted with the first young person this animal shelter. Actually, this no-kill animal shelter. They needed help there because they could never get enough volunteers. He couldn't get a job, so we took uh, the young person that couldn't get a job with the place that couldn't get help. And we put the two problems together and boom, we had a solution. And I think that uh, if people can just look at problems as an opportunity and 
again, a lot of times it really is uh, the simple things, as Tolkien says, the small acts of kindness and love. Uh, it's not often the great powers that that hold us together, but it's those small acts of kindness and love. And really, um, our steady work program is based on the idea that uh, something as simple as an opportunity, uh, something as simple as learning the basic skill can be transformative. That can lead to transformative relationships and and so on. And so community schools, I think, is really about bringing partnerships along to schools that can staff their weaknesses, that can give sight to their blind spots, that can give voice to their families and to their youth and allow the school to still excel at what it does best and really be a vibrant member of the community and create the synergy we need to do well. So problems or opportunities and community schools is a great way to capitalize on those opportunities. Jay, thank you so much for joining us and inspiring us today. Well, thank you, Nicole. Thank you for listening and thanks to everyone out there choosing to work in education. The Inspire to Thrive podcast spotlights the great things possible in education and is produced by Thrive Public Schools in partnership with Copernicus Solutions. If you have ideas to share or need support to reimagine education, visit us at www.thriveps.org. Thank you.